0: All right. So glad to see you guys back. Last week, we learned about Ephesus, the city, and Paul's interactions there. We learned about how Ephesus was action packed, Mm -hmm. multi cultures, multi religions, highly populated, commerce producing, huge coastal city. All that description should make you think of Paul. We also went through Paul's interactions with the city of Ephesus. We saw how in the book of Acts, God used Paul to build his church in that dark city in need of rescue. And as people were converted, a church was formed, and years later, Paul was in a house arrest, and he wanted to write to the churches. And one of the letters he writes, we call the book of Ephesians today. Now let me give you a quick overview of the book of Ephesians. Any... Teacher or scholar will tell you like read the book in one setting. It's a blessing you You will see a fuller picture and read it multiple times read it out loud read it to yourself listen to it audio, you know an audio or something, but um, It's actually best to understand the book as a whole It helps you to understand better what's going on in each text. So here's a quick overview. The movement of thought in the letter of Ephesians divides basically into two sections. Okay, I've got to remember my left and my right, okay? <laughs> so chapters 1 through 3 is the first section, the first half, and th- this is basically what Paul focuses on, the story of the gospel and how history came to its climax in Jesus and his creation in this multi-ethnic community of followers. That's the first section. And then the section, section 4, chapters 4 through 6, gets connected to one through three with the first word in chapter four that says, therefore. So I'm teaching you about the gospel, about how history had its climax in Christ, and the church is this multi-ethnic community. Therefore, this is how you should live. This is how you should act with your community. This is how you need to live out your life story with your family, your neighbors, And so when you hear those words, this is how you should live, you hear application. And so we know that Ephesians is a highly applicable book, not only for the original readers, but for us today. Last week, we also highlighted the greeting of the book in Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 2. Paul states that he's the sender of the letter while grounding his communication in the connection his recipients have to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this relationship means something. The Ephesians are part of a special set-apart people. The actual text says the saints, right? The saints of God. The descriptions of the Ephesians are also being faithful. This reminds us of what begins this connection, an ongoing trust in Christ that opens up access to the power that fuels this new life. And if you are a saint... If you are a set-apart one who has put their hope and trust of salvation in Christ alone, you also get the promises and blessings that are talked about in Ephesians. It applies to you today if you are that set-apart one. Paul greets the Ephesians noting two core blessings in the greeting in verses 1 and 2. He says, By the will of God, Paul was sent, um, sorry, Two core blessings, grace and peace, that come from God. And so as we read the greeting in one and two, we see by the will of God, Paul was sent as a messenger of Christ and by God's grace brings God's people peace to live faithfully in Christ. And as we turn to our passage today, we we see the start of a long sentence where Paul is praising God's plan through the work of Christ. That's why I read... Up through verse 14 today because it's one long sentence in the Greek three through 14 is one sentence and you might have talked about that at your tables but our Bible puts punctuation and verse markers in and so you don't automatically know it's one long verse if you aren't like studying the original language or someone tells you and even as my I'm reading I said to my table I was stopping where the punctuation was which wasn't necessarily emphasizing the verb or the actor in the sentence. And so I need to practice that next week when I read it out loud. Um, So just be mindful that it was a human agent that made those markers, but all the words are inspired by God. Um, Just, just another reminder to pay attention to every single word. Um, And if you haven't already realized in Paul's writings, he loves a pregnant sentence. He wants to use prepositional phrases, fragments, descriptions, and he can go on and on and on. And it's loud, long. I mean, that's why I was like, the multiculture, commerce trade. Like, I was trying to be like Paul right there in describing Ephesus to remind you of last week, right? So, but it's great that Paul uses all those descriptions because he gives the reader more explanation of what he's trying to get at. He paints a better picture for you, because sometimes that's how we learn. And so it is a wonderful thing that Paul is very verbose. It's it's great. Now, that one long sentence is significant because the whole section, 3 through 14, is cast under that first part of verse 3. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everything after that is cast under this blessing. All of, that goes, that all of it that goes down to verse 14 is under that praise and blessing. And that everything that is under the blessing, after, everything that comes after blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is an exposition. It's an explaining of what God has done for us, for his saints. And we are going to break up this long sentence into three lessons. So tonight we have verses 3 through 6. Next week, we have verses 7 through 10, and then the week after is verses 11 through 14. Lots of people teach it in one sitting, but we have 16 weeks, and that's how the powers that be broke it down for us. But there's plenty to talk about. I mean, there's plenty to talk about. So our theme for verses 3 through 6, I actually have handouts on the table. Um, I have the theme and my points under it if you want to follow along. I'm married to Jeff, which means I'm a little bit wordy, because that's, he's very wordy. Though he was really excited, because his sermon was only 37 minutes yesterday. That's like a thing he does. You know how long my sermon was? You know, because he's, he's trying to get it under 40. A lot of times he's 43, so, but anyways, I digress. But our theme for our um, text today is the praiseworthy God who has perfectly blessed his people in Christ has been lavishing grace on them since eternity past. I'm going to say that one more time. The praiseworthy God, who has perfectly blessed his people in Christ, has been lavishing grace on them since eternity past. And I have three points I want to make for our theme. The first one is God has blessed his people with every spiritual blessing. We see this in verse 3. And then God has blessed us with the blessings that are in the beloved. We see that in verse 6. And then our third point, I have two examples to talk about. Two examples of his incredible blessings of being united to Christ by faith, which began in eternity past. And this is verses 4 and 5. So the praiseworthy God, who has perfectly blessed his people in Christ, has been lavishing grace on them since eternity past. God has blessed his people with every spiritual blessing. That's point number one. Let's read verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now did you hear that play on words with the blessed and blessing? That was like one of your questions. What's a, one of the repeated words? Words are very important. That's why we have a lot of those questions. When We want to pay attention to what's going on. God is the blessed one who gives us the saints blessing. The opening word blessed is different than the word blessed uh, blessed be and blessed us and blessing. They're not all the same. God is the blessed one who gives us the saint's blessing. The opening word blessed serves to point out a note of praise to God. When we say a blessing, we are giving a note of praise, speaking well of someone. Think of the songs we sing. I said this at our table. We do not sing songs that elevate man. We do not sing songs that elevate creation. We sing songs that elevate God. We elevate songs our God the creator. right? Our songs should be not, you know, praise the ocean, it's so beautiful. It's praise God who can make the ocean. And right here in the first part of verse 3 is a praise to God, an announcement, an acclamation, applause, tribute, all these descriptions of praising God. Verse 3 says we are to bless or praise God because he is a blessing us. When we receive a blessing, we are the beneficiaries of an act of bestowal from someone who has done something worthy and beneficial. Verse 3 has both ideas. We praise God for what he has done for us, and we are the recipients of God's actions of blessing. God is the blessed one, the fountain from which all the blessings flow. He is the one who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It all starts with God. It comes from God. Whatever blessings in Christ we receive, God is the source. It is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who is praised. He is the initiator of the plan. All things flow from him. I'm literally saying the same thing over and over again because that's what our text says. God is the one who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. We have received all heaven has to offer in salvation, a blessing that comes from before time, a transcendent form of life that God supplies to those who trust him. So what are we blessed with? Verse 3 says, spiritual blessing. We have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So it's spiritual blessings, not material blessings. Some churches today will preach a false message saying, if you're good enough, if you give us church money, if you believe enough, you can be successful in life. And their success is finance and material things, like cars and houses and jets and big bank accounts. And where none of those things are bad, it isn't bad to have a car. I don't, if you have a jet, great. None of those things are bad. Invite me, you know. I just, those things are not bad in and of themselves, but we are not promised those things. Scripture, you cannot find a passage that says, you will have a big bank account. You might have a big bank account, and you will be responsible for what you do with that bank account, but we are not promised these things. Those are perishable things that will fade away. We are promised imperishable things that last into eternity. And if you really meditate on it, that's what you want. That's what you're, if you are in Christ, that is what your soul craves. So, um, Jesus in the Gospels said you will probably have hardships. Expect that. People persecuted me and if you're a follower of mine, they probably could persecute you. Expect those things. Not Expect to live a large life. That's not what is promised. But even though he warned us of hardship, he didn't just say, see you later. He promised us that he would be with us, that he would leave the Holy Spirit with us, that he would give us spiritual blessings. And these spiritual blessings are what he has given to us to live our life. Those spiritual blessings are everything that is good for us. Everything we need to get through a trial. Everything we need to do to get through mourning, through an an unpleasant time, you name it. He has given us spiritual blessings to face whatever comes our way. Everything we need in order to honor him and enjoy him. God's blessings are boundless. And Paul, we begin to expound on all of these blessings as we read through verse 14. And I'll just like give you like a bullet point hints of what those blessings are. But as we keep reading, we will see that we have been chosen by God, that we're adopted into his family. There's redemption and forgiveness of sins. There's riches of God's grace. There's the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's hope and glory. All of these are blessings that Paul hits on in this chapter. And there are more. These are just the ones he highlights. Paul says God has spared nothing when it comes to blessing his people spiritually. And the location of these blessings are, is actually shocking. It's unexpected. Maybe unexpected is better than shocking, but that's kind of a synonym. Where are they from? The heavenly places. You've been given something from the heavenly places. Paul is saying here that he and the Ephesians, because they are in Christ, have been elevated to the heavenly places they too are seated where Christ is enthroned at the Father's right hand. This is also where all of us who are united in Christ through faith are seated. We will learn more about that in chapter 2, so there's your advertisement for keep on coming. (laughs) We are united in Christ, but not to its fullest until we are in Christ, with Christ in heaven and in glory. So that's that already not yet thing. He has saved you, but you will will feel the fullness of your salvation when you are with him in glory. As we live out this life here on earth, before we sit in that throne room, God has given us every spiritual blessing we need. And Paul calls us to immerse ourselves in this truth and to rejoice. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the praiseworthy God who has perfectly blessed his people in Christ has been lavishing grace on his people since eternity past. Point two, God has blessed us with the blessings that are in the beloved. Let's read verse six. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So we rejoice and we praise and we bless God for the spiritual blessings he's given us. And we also rejoice and bless and praise God for the unsurmountable grace He gives us in the beloved. The beloved in verse 6 is the same as the in Christ in verse 3. So you can read, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in Christ. It's a synonym. You might not, what well, was beloved? Maybe you didn't know that, but that is talking about Christ. By faith, the saints Paul's referring to are united to Christ. That means they get all the benefits of Jesus, and he takes away all their problems. All the blessings of God and the full love of the Father. The inheritance. They will share everything with Jesus. Everything. Have you actually sat and pondered that, that you will share everything that Jesus has? I mean, I feel like we should just stop and meditate on that. That is such a huge idea. You will have everything. Jesus has and so do you if you have put your faith you will have everything if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior Jesus has taken away your greatest problem the wrath of God you have all the blessings the spiritual blessings of God the Father's full love you will share everything with Jesus just as the Saints before did those who are in Christ will have thrones and will be heirs with Jesus in heaven equal shares of heaven but only if you're united, by, by, united with Christ by your faith. Jeff said something the other day. He said, our shame as Christians is we don't live in the joy of that union with Christ. Our sin shifts our focus on that thought. And we don't live like that. We don't live like we're in Christ And so our focus can be on significantly lesser things. Where is your focus right now? Are you amazed at what God has done for you? And you're uniting with Christ? Or are you focused on a worry? Are you focused on a disappointment? Is there something you're longing for? Longing for it so bad that you are not thinking about Christ? Are you focused so much on those things that you aren't praising God for the blessings you do have? God has blessed us with blessings that are in the beloved. Or you could say God has graced us with the grace that he is that is in Christ. We give praise to the God, to God for being the beneficiaries of his glorious grace. God has graced his people with grace. The redundancy is to emphasize his unmerited favor on us, how he mediated that grace through Jesus Christ. Praise God for his glorious grace he gives us in unity with Christ. The praiseworthy God who has perfectly blessed his people in Christ has been lavishing grace on them since eternity past. Point number three. His incredible blessings of being united in Christ by faith began in eternity past. His incredible blessings of being united in Christ by faith began in eternity past. So there's two blessings that four and five highlight. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless, and God predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Now, before we get into more details of these two blessings, the god choosing and the god predestining let's just remember some important phrases that are going on in our text especially god's will we see this repeated through 1 through 14 verse 1 paul is an apostle by the will of god verse 5 according to the purpose of his will verse 9 the mystery of his will verse 11 according to the counsel of his will. And I know I'm bringing up verses that we haven't gotten yet, but it really has to do with how this is one sentence. God's will is mentioned four specific times. But not only is God's will mentioned, there are other phrases that talk about God having a definite plan. We see the word choose in verse 3, predestined in verse 5, according to his purpose which he set forth in verse 9 having been predestined according to the purpose of him in verse 11. So Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 is chalked full of words and phrases having to do with God's plan. And that is so important when we talk about these two blessings in verses 4 and 5. God's will is just saturated when it comes to his blessings for his people. So remember, when we look at these potentially hard-to-grasp blessings, God-choosing and God-predestined, God had a plan. He had a definite plan. God had his own will that he has determined while these blessings were decided. So example one of God's blessing. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before him. Let's read verse four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless. God choosing. We see this as the doctrine of election here in verse 4. The goal of God choosing appears in the next phrase, that we should be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, God the Father chose us before time so we would be holy and blameless. So the journey into blessing began in eternity past. God the Father chose those who belong in him before the foundation of the world, our text says. This was the plan designed before creation, rooted in the mind and character of God. This is sometimes very hard for us to understand because we are creatures of time. So when we talk about before time, it's like our brain like kind of like, goes on the fritz because that is not how we're created we are created I work from this time to this time church starts here my kids have this appointment like we are just creatures of time that's just how life is but God is not bound by time he created time and so before time and before anything existed he had a plan and one of the plans was that you should be holy and blameless in his sight This journey of blessing began in eternity past. God the Father chose those who belonged to him before the foundation of the world. This was the plan designed before creation. And in order for this plan was made in order for sinners to be with God, he had to make them holy and blameless. They, you, I, when I say they, we are the they. We can't do this on our own. We cannot become holy. We cannot become blameless. And God isn't obligated to save anyone. Without God intervening, no one will believe. Election is God's planned mercy and love for whomever he is pleased to pardon. Only in Christ Jesus the Beloved can God bless us. Romans 8.32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also give him grace? How will he not also with him give graciously us all things? So, all the blessings we get flow to us because God didn't spare his son. Because of what Christ has done for us, only what Christ has done for us, are we supremely blessed. And what did Christ do for us? He willingly died for us. The holy and blameless Son of God died for us filthy sinners. We aren't holy and we are full of blame. God the Father is holy and can't be with anything that isn't holy. So then we have this problem. We can't be with God. And not only can we not be with God, God pours his wrath out on what isn't holy. And so God the Father sent his son Jesus to die in our place so we can be reconciled to this holy God. Because when he died, he made a way for us to believe. And so us putting our belief and our faith in Christ as Savior alone to save us, it's that transaction. We believe in him, and he takes our sin, and he gives us our righteousness. And so we are made holy holy and blameless not because Courtney goes to church not because Jan taught a lesson it's because Christ died for us and God gave us the ability to see that that we can be holy and blameless Mm -hmm. so for those who put their trust and their faith in Christ alone to save them from their sin those people are made holy and blameless so sisters in Christ those of you who have put your trust and faith in him Before you ever existed, God knew you, and he chose you to be united to Christ. And we see God's purpose and direction for his plan to choose us in Christ continuing into verse 5 with the words, predestined us to adoption according to the kind intention of his will. So that brings us to example two of God's blessing. God predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. There is a plan. That shouldn't shock you because we've been talking about that. There's a plan. Within God's choosing was a predestined or predetermined plan of adoption. So adoption was his idea, his purpose. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a reaction. He planned adoption. This divine decision is rooted in the mystery of his character and knowledge, which was always with him. Adoption. God has directed that we be adopted as sons, or in our case, as daughters, as God's children. And he does this according to the pleasure of his will, the verse says. Adoption into sonship means that you have become something that you were not before and you have become part of a new family. Adoption was quite common in the ancient world, just like it is today. And when you look at it from the perspective of the child, it is an act of pure grace because that child did nothing to receive the new status given to them by the new family. Just like our adoption is not based on our worthiness or how cute we are. It is based on the free... Sovereign grace of God, planned before the world. In the case of the adopting adult, it was a granting of a new improved status for the child. So as a new heir, the adoptee receives much. As adopted sons and daughters, we get the status and privileges that belong to membership in God's family. God has made us into something that we could not be without him. And this is incredible reason to praise him. And he did this through Christ. We are adopted through Christ. That means to be adopted by God, we we had to be died for. Before the foundation of the world, God saw that we would be sinners and planned the death of his son so that our sins could be forgiven and God's wrath removed. Through that, we are adopted. And we are adopted with this plan through christ for god's glory the goal of your adoption is that the glory of god's grace would be praised god adopted us in our unworthiness to make his grace look great you were adopted for the praise of the glory of his grace god's action in adopting us is completely god-centered and god-exalting I think we as humans, Americans, when we go, oh, we were saved, we're so focused on, oh, we've, we've been saved. But the focus is on the grace God gives because he saved a sinner. Amen. So even if we have the right intention about thinking of our salvation, we can still screw it up and think about ourselves. That is just a good marker of, am I focused on myself or am I focused on God right now? God's action in adopting us is completely God-centered and God-exalting. We are adopted by God not so we can rejoice that God made much of us. We are adopted by God so that we will enjoy making God much of God's grace and our Father's Father's grace forever. We are adopted to the praise of the glory of his grace. So Christian sister, do you ever feel worthless? Do you at times feel like you have nothing to contribute or bring to the table? Do you feel like maybe you don't belong in God's family? The encouragement from this text then is for you. Or maybe you will run into a friend who has a moment of not feeling worthy or feeling they don't, don't have a way to contribute or have nothing to bring to the table. This is the text you take them to to remind them of who they are in Christ. The encouragement from this text is in God's eyes from eternity past before you were ever born you were made holy and blameless. <clears throat> this is the encouragement that you need and that others need. This is this is walking alongside your sister who is struggling because her mom's about to die. Pray for Susan. This is What you tell your friend who doesn't know where they're going to lay their head in a month. And I was there too. This is for anyone who just has their focus shift on praising God. This is a great text to encourage your friends with. So shift your focus off yourselves and remember the spiritual blessings you have been given Maybe you aren't feeling worthless right now, but are you praising? For every good act that comes to us, every gift that comes to us, let there be a corresponding good word back to God in praise, and not just a verbal praise. It can be an emotional, affectional praise. This is where you can, like, dance and use the symbols and lyre when you're—not everyone has a voice— but everyone can make a joyful noise, right? A person who isn't a believer, now they can say the words blessed be God, but they would be a hypocrite. When we the saints, the believers, when we say blessed be God, it would mean we admire, we treasure God, we love God, and we see the fullness from which everything is flowing. We are just simply amazed by God, and so we press Praise and bless his name. So maybe you're with your sisters and your friends, and maybe nothing's wrong, but maybe nothing is fully right because you, they're not, their words and their actions aren't showing praise. This is still an encouragement. Hey, let's meditate on something for a minute. I mean, just sitting like the the questions are to get you like to read the text, but I am so blessed by hearing what people are encouraged by while doing the questions. That is a blessing to me. So as we gather to study Ephesians, I pray that in all the learning and all the knowledge, all the exposition that will be done, will be done as a blessing to God, an exaltation to God, as worship to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as we study The book of Ephesians. Let's pray to end the evening. Father God, Lord, you have purposely done things because you have a plan. And in the text today, we learned about your purpose in choosing before the foundation of the world, of predestining before the foundation of the world, but also before the foundation of the world. You chose who would be here tonight, You knew the people that would need to hear from Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. And so I pray that your words would saturate our hearts. Help us to praise you for who you are and how you have blessed us. Help us to be exposing the sin in our hearts that is is shifting our focus away from you, Lord. Help us to praise you. We are weak, and we need you to even help us praise you. Lord, thank you for what you've done in Christ. Amen.